Hey y'all, it's Shalanda and my co-host, Greg. Hi guys, we're back. I hope you enjoyed the trailer. Uh, today is our very first full episode. Isn't Yay. that exciting? It's exciting, but it's also nerve-wracking <laughs> because we're really boring people and we could easily bore you. But You're boring. I'm exciting. I guess. <laughs> but uh, we're going to try our best. We hope we keep your attention. Uh, today we're going to talk about our origin story. How it all began. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to start that off? Sure. Greg? Oh, Greg, did we say you, did we say your name? Yes. Oh, Greg. Sorry, yes. I wasn't paying attention. That's my husband, y'all. His name is Greg. Okay. So our origin story. Okay. From my perspective. Tell the cute. I was living in Saginaw, working at a daycare, and my co-worker came up to me and said, hey, I know a girl I think you might really like. So she gave me her number, and I called her. And of course, like, she nope. shot me down. <laughs> <Denied>. <laughs> she said, nope, not at all. This was back probably like in February or March or something like that. So, what year? This was 2006. Okay. I think. I think. Something like that. And then my co worker told me to try again later. So, around uh, was September, so I called her again. And this time, she said, okay, let's go out. So, October, I believe it was October the 9th or the 8th, we finally went out on our blind date. And what was funny was we went to a restaurant, and when we left the restaurant, I noticed (laughs) that my wife pulled out of the restaurant driveway and pulled right back in Next door to the apartment. Listen. But she wouldn't go nowhere for this day. If this was a horrible day, I was not about to burn my gas (laughs) and put miles on my car. I came all the way from Saginaw to Grand Blank to do this. And she's just like, I'm I'm not even driving a mile. Um, Do you remember how you had that Bluetooth on our first date the entire time? Yeah, I was balling. Y'all, he had a Bluetooth on, which I found really annoying because I'm like, am I keeping you from something? Are you a a doctor? I had my nice sweater on with my my Bluetooth in my ear. I was was balling out. I think the next day my friend asked, what did I think? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. It was all right. (laughs) But before that, before that, when... The, our date was on a Sunday, and as I was leaving church to get in my car to go on the date, I distinctly heard somebody in the back seat say, "Go meet your wife." It scared the bejesus out of me, cause I turned around, nobody in my car, but I heard it as clear as day. It said, "Go meet your wife." It was written in the stars. We were meant to be. <laughs> And what did you do? Go meet my wife. Uh, is that why you didn't give up, even though I felt kind of meh the first day? Uh-huh. You saw this charm, and you was like, Arr. <laughs> Was I? Yeah. I was like, well, I got a good free meal out of this. this uh, no, meal. I thought you were really nice. Um, you were kind of quiet, but... Well, I'm an introvert, so of course I'm quiet. Yeah, you are a little quiet, but I thought you were cute. Mm-hmm. Have your your uh, cute little lips that I've always liked, mm-hmm. and nice broad shoulders. So then, um, our second date was at her house. Okay, 
Did we go to a haunted house? No, that wasn't the second day. The second day was a movie at your house. What did we watch? Why is all this fuzzy? I don't know. Are you sure? I'm positive. Huh. Okay. I guess I figured, well, this guy's not going to kill me. He seems pretty safe, so I guess I can let him know. Yeah, then we went to the haunted house. Which was funny because she was scared out of her pants and I was laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was funny. So, how long did we date? So, we wound up dating for, let me see, October, was it March when I proposed or April when I proposed? It was seven months later. You so, maybe the- May. And then you were actually you asked me to marry you, and I thought you were just kidding around. And I was like, if you want me to marry you, you need to get out on one knee. And you did, and I was like, oh, sure, why not? <laughs> so then, so mind you, the first blind date was October, and fourteen months later, 13. the December of the next year. We were married. You sure it wasn't 13 months? 13 months would be November. Okay. You're good at math. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. What's our anniversary? It's coming up. December the 16th. And that was 12 years ago. Yep. Yay. We're still together. Now, that sounds all nice and sweet and very Walt Disney. They live happily ever after. But <laughs> as we know, no they life don't is tell happily that story, ever right? after. Happily There's ever been after. some challenges. What happened, like, the week after we came back from our honeymoon? So, we we thinking, we we, we in our late 20s, we on, on our honeymoon, We this going to be great and everything. Granted, the honeymoon was great. Went to Las Vegas for a couple of days, and that was great. Came back that December, the end of December, and... My vision started getting very blurry. So I said, huh, let me go get this checked out. Went to a regular eye doctor, and he was like, listen, you need to get to a retina specialist as soon as you can. Let me interrupt you. Let me backtrack Uh just a little bit. Because on our second date, I just started thinking about this. You said, there is something that I need to tell you. And I was nervous because you've said it in such an, an ominous, ominous tone. Like you were going to tell me like, I'm a serial killer or I just got out of prison or something like that. And then you told me that you were diabetic. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I didn't really get why that was a big deal for you to tell me because... Mm-hmm. Granted, I didn't really, I didn't know anyone our age who had diabetes. My great grandmother was diabetic. And as far as I knew, she just couldn't eat a bunch of sweets or candy, but she was all good. <laughs> okay. That's actually that a myth, though. Sweets and candies, yeah, it does raise your blood sugar, but it's carbs that really what raises your blood sugar. But so, but back to the story. Not even a month after we got back. Went to the eye doctor. He told me to go to the retina specialist. The retina specialist looked in my eyes and said, yeah, you have diabetic, diabetic retinopathy. And I was like, what is that? She was like, well, you need a surgery to put your retina back in place. And 
Three surgeries later, now I'm blind in my left eye. She can never fix it. Yeah, and when you were having your surgeries, there was she she worked on both eyes. She worked, yeah, both and eyes actually. Yep. There was a point when you were healing up that you couldn't see out of either eye. Couldn't see nothing. And mind you, I'm a piano player, so that was fun playing without looking at the keys at all or looking at the choir director or nothing, just playing. <laughs> and I mean, not even that. I mean, you couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. You had to be let around the house. That was, whew, that was something. <laughs> yeah, but we got over that hurdle. And like you said, you are missing, you don't have vision in my left eye. In your left eye. Mm-hmm. But you still make up for it. I mean, you're not totally blind. And mm-hmm. You can get around and see. I still things. do most of the driving when we go anywhere. So there. You do. You do. <laughs> I was one of those women who got married and said, you know what? I don't drive nowhere. I'm going to be chilling in this passenger seat. It's funny because um, sometimes I am just the worst and I like to sneak up on you on the side that you can't see mm. and, and just like scare you or disturb me she don't that. never scare me I just be like you know I don't see it over there really but you know what I think is funny all of her friends that get together and ask me the one I got to drive them somewhere and I'm like I'm the only one with one eye here and I get to drive in party. I feel, huh? so. I feel like I'm real attentive, uh, alert, especially at night. I'm like, hey, do you see this? Hey, slow down. Hey, watch this. And I'm here. like, there, there's nothing there. <laughs> okay. okay, so that was our first hurdle. But that was, um, it was difficult, but it was temporary. It took about a year. Yeah, it was temporary. So after that whole thing happened, we're thinking, okay. Well, that happened, but you know what? We got the stuff out the way early. Smooth sailing from here on out. <laughs> what happened after that? After that? Was it the foot? It was the foot, yes. Okay, here's the thing. I had the bought, moral of the on, story, by the way, is called the story first. to your wife. Let me tell the story. I had bought some new shoes, right? And I had a gig, outside gig. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to wear these new shoes to this gig, you know? So I'm at the gig, and the gig is running real long, like almost like all day long. So we finally get up and play and everything. I get home. I look at my foot. I got a blister on there. I'm thinking, ah, no big deal. So it's the blister. No big deal. I just throw some Neosporin on it, and there we go. And then a week later... I looked at it, still there. I saw him throw some old nearest porn on it. No big deal, no big deal. A couple of weeks later, I look at it, it's all red and ugly looking. I'm like, ah, get the hell up, throw Keep some nearest porn on we it. We have health insurance, and someone <laughs> kept saying, you should probably go to the doctor. <laughs> and the reason someone said that is because you are diabetic, and there is this thing called diabetic ulcers. Now, if someone like myself, who's a non-diabetic, had a blister on their foot, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. Then I could have just put Neosporin on it and kept it pushing. But because you are diabetic, you have to pay special and careful attention to your feet. So, one day, in the middle of July, I'm sitting in church on a Sunday, on the organ, playing. I'm looking around at everybody else fanning and everything. I looked to my drummer and said, 
bro, I'm freezing cold. He looked at me and was like, you freezing cold? It's blazing hot in here. So when the preacher got up to preach, I went downstairs and I looked at my drummer and I said, bro, call the ambulance. I ain't feeling right. So they called the ambulance, they rushed me to the hospital and they... Now keep in mind, they rushed you to the hospital in Saginaw. Now we live about 45 minutes to an hour away from Saginaw. So your friend from church calls me on my phone and is like, um, so your husband is going to the hospital. You need to get down here. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening with Greg? I hope he's going to be okay. <laughs> so get there. They look at my foot and they say, yeah, we're going to have to um, take a little bit of it. And they took a whole lot of it. Not a whole lot, but at first they took a big gouge out, out of the right side of my right foot. They didn't take the pinky yet, but through all of the rehab and everything, the pinky toe just kind of died, and they literally just snipped it right off. Like, I felt nothing. They gave me no pain. Nothing for it. It just snip, came right off. So, yep. And But that still had to heal up because mm-hmm. it wasn't just a, we're going to remove your pinky toe and send you on your way. Tell them about the, the wound back. Oh, when I was in the hospital first, um, they said, well, you need a wound vac to, um, put on this to suction out all of the bad stuff so it can heal. And they said they can either send, give me the wound back and go home, or I would have to go to a, what's the other like place? A rehab a place. Rehab place yeah. center. So in a city, 45 minutes to an hour away from home. And how much was the wound vac going to be? $1,500 every two weeks. Yep. So, obviously, we didn't have that. So, we was between a rock and a hard place. Go ahead, tell. Well, I was like, y'all keep him here in this rehab. No, no. I'm just seeing when he gets up. No, we didn't know what to do. Because it's like, well, both of these options are kind of sucky. But, uh, Greg, Mr. the Mr. here and I are people of faith. So, we prayed about it. And we're like, God... Please help us because we need some help. And after we prayed our prayer about 20, 30 minutes later, the nurse mm-hmm. came back and wanted to know our decision. And she act- no, actually before that, she said, you don't have to make a decision because the company that makes the wound vac is going to let you take it home free of charge. And they're going to allow you to keep it for as long as you need it. And she was <laughs> kind of dumbfounded by that because she says that that never happens. Yep. Just remember, God is always with you, mm-hmm. even when you don't think He is, because He was in that situation. Yes, and you had a nurse that came in too, into the house. Yep, I shot. You know, I forgot all about that. Mm-hmm. I did have nurses coming to the house to um, change out my wound. I I totally forgot about that. Yeah, they did they come every day, every other day. No, it was like every other day or something like that yeah yeah you were getting a five star treatment Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah and about how long did it take for that to heal up it took months months i actually i wound up going to the um wound center here in grand blank oh you had the bariatric not the bariatric Mm -hmm. the um oh what's it called the the 
the hyperbaric chamber. Yeah, the Michael Jackson treatment. Yeah, yeah, I did that for a couple of months as well, till my foot finally healed up. Yep. And the moral. That's no fun getting into those hyperbaric chambers. Your ears pop and everything. So. The moral of that story uh-huh. is called "Listen to Your Here Wife." Here we she go. She says, "Go to the doctor." Uh-huh. She should probably go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the wound back. That took care of your. That helped take care of your foot. Um, you had the toe removed. It wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. So, mm-hmm. okay, we got that out the way. We oh. got the eye thing out the way. By the way, while my foot was situation was happening, I was also in school. I was in the college, getting my degree. So, um, my teachers was graciously letting me bring work home instead of going to class, obviously. So. Um, finally, what was this, 2019, 2013, I graduated. This was in October when we had the ceremony, right? So, we thinking smooth sailing. I had got a nice job working with Toshiba. And I was excited, too. I'm like, I'm about to be a stay-at-home dog mom. <laughs> I'm about to chill at the house. <laughs> we about to stockpile some money. It's about to be good times oh no (laughs) because like i said i graduated at the beginning of october right i already had the job and everything and thing was moving at the end of october i was i was playing the piano at my cousin's wedding and while i was playing my hand kept going numb so of course i was thinking oh my gosh I'm having a stroke. Oh, no. So as soon as the wedding was over, I rushed over to my mother because I couldn't find my wife. And I told her she needs to get me to the hospital. So they rushed me to the hospital. This is in Saginaw again. Your favorite spot. (laughs) And the doctor came out and said, you must have a guardian angel. Okay, first of all, scared the bejesus out of us. That doctor had terrible bedside manner. Because he came out in the most deadpan voice ever. I'm thinking, is my husband about to die because this grim face and this deadpan voice? Like, I get probably as an ER doctor, you can't destroy your emotions in it. But give me something, please. <laughs> Excuse my husband chewing ice as well. Mm-hmm. So, they came back and said, hey, you're not having a stroke. But your kidney level is low. I'm thinking to myself, kidney level? What do you mean? I've never had anything wrong with my kidneys. So they did more tests and they did some things to try to make my kidneys come back and didn't come back. But they released me from the hospital after a couple of days. And so I'm working at Toshiba, but my mind really wasn't on it. You know, the job sent me to Chicago twice. They sent me to Rochester, New York once. And my heart just wasn't in it because the whole time I'm thinking about kidneys. Kidneys. What am I going to do? And on February 14th of 2014. Happy Valentine's Day. Right. Instead of us going out to dinner, my wife had to rush me to the hospital here in Grand Blank this time Woo-hoo, finally. Finally. <laughs> and 
they had to start dialysis. Man, my world just changed forever. I was just looking at a picture of me from my graduation day the other day, and I said to myself, that guy don't know what he's in for. Oh, that's so sad. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this happened, it's been six years now. Uh, almost six. Yeah, six years, October, right. Yeah. Exactly right. Now, when you started doing dialysis, you started going in-center to it. You went into in a in-center. dialysis center mm-hmm. where the techs and the nurses did everything for you, hooked mm-hmm. you up, all of that. How did that make you feel? Because you didn't, I know you didn't like that. You, oh, my gosh. It is draining. Very, very draining. Like, you don't want to do nothing else that whole day, but just come home and sleep. And you might think, yeah, great, come home and sleep, but you can't do nothing. Like, you can't work a nine-to-five because you're at dialysis for four hours in the middle of the day. And it's it's, it's not a life you really want to live, you know? Some people say, look at you like, yeah, I know somebody who's been living on dialysis for 20 years. Yeah, that don't mean they like it. Can I tell you, that is my pet peeve. I've gotten very sensitive to words when it pertains to you. Because words mean things. And I understand that people don't mean any malice. And oftentimes people just don't know what to say. But I'm very sensitive. Like, I once had a woman say to me, because you've lost weight. Mm -hmm. And... She was talking to me about how she could tell you had lost weight. And her response was, well, if dialysis makes you do that, I want to get on it myself. And she said, are, are you kidding me? Are you seriously having I'll trade me? places with her. <laughs> yeah, like, just take a couple seconds to think about what you say before you say it. That is mm-hmm. my message of the day. So, like she said, I started off in center. And then somebody came up to me and said... Hey, um, you ever tried, have you ever thought about doing peritoneal dialysis? I said, well, what is peritoneal dialysis? And they told me that they put a catheter down in your stomach, um, and you do it at home, and you hook up through a machine, or you can do manuals at home. The solution goes into your stomach. It dwells in there for a little while, maybe an hour or two, and then you um, empty out the solution, and it dumps out all of the bad stuff and extra fluid in your body. I said, sure, I give it a whirl. Then I tried it. And at that time, it just didn't work out for me. Matter of fact, I had gained a lot of weight, fluid. My normal weight was about 260, 270. I had tipped the scale up to 350 pounds you did get mr big bones but yeah was still cute though and it was all fluid so they had to rush me to the hospital and they had to hook me up to hemo again to get all of that fluid off of me and you might think well what's the big deal with all that fluid well your heart has to pump all of that through your body and it puts a lot of extra work in your heart and a lot of strain on your heart and it can your heart can actually give out doing that so so I went back to doing hemo. So then, a little while longer, a couple months later, somebody came up to me and said, well, you know you can do hemo at home. Well, I said, why? Sign me up for that. So I did the training for that, did hemo at home, 
And my wife hated it because I got blood everywhere. Yes, I do hate it because he would always be so tired afterwards. Um, I think we all know who had to do that cleanup. <laughs> and it's like, I want to assist you and I want to help you, but I also work a full-time job and I'm tired. So, yeah. So, it became a point to where I started getting sick and stuff. So, one day, I went to rehearsal in Saginaw, choir rehearsal, and I drove home. From my perspective, I got in the bed. I woke up in the hospital bed. Beck, can you tell the rest of that story? You had toxin overload. So Uremia is what it's called. High uremia. Yeah, you had excess toxins in your body. So I was getting ready to go to work that morning. And just before um, I left, I, w- I went to tell you goodbye. And I also went to check on you because... I'm kind of noisy in the morning when I'm getting ready for work. And you didn't move. You hadn't stirred. You hadn't done anything. So I went and I shook you and I was like, hey, babe, are you okay? I'm about to go to work. And you didn't say anything. So I shook you again and I was like, baby, are you okay? You don't have to shake me as a, <laughs> as a demonstration. Nobody can see. I need you, you to feel me. what it was like. And um, you didn't say anything. And then finally, you you woke up. It took you a while. You were really groggy. And you looked at me. And I said, babe, are you okay? And you just looked at me. You didn't say anything. And I'm just talking to you like, Greg, what's wrong? Greg, da 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 And you never opened your mouth at all. So we got you to the hospital. And you got to the hospital. They put you in a room. Um, it was really scary because you had started... Your body started seizing. You got you had seizures. You don't remember any of this, do you? Don't remember. The time when you were in, um, I think it's called triage in one of the waiting rooms mm-hmm. in ER, where they were waiting to put you in an actual room. You had seizures. Like your body was just, you were literally coming off of the bed, and you still were not talking, and it was terrifying. And that lasted for two full days. Hmm. You not talking. You having seizures. Um, and the doctors didn't really know what to do. And they were, I think they were still giving you dialysis, but nothing was happening. And then on that third day, um, you just started talking, but you just started talking like nothing had happened. You just said, Hey babe, how you doing? No, I remember you said, babe, come back to me. And I was like, you mean I'm right here. (laughs) And what was funny was one of the doctors Oh, this guy. Came into the room, looked at me talking, and walked back out like, boo, yeah, you He's see all it. right. He's good. <laughs> you see what I did. Like, you did nothing, sir. <laughs> and I had to feel, fill him in on everything that had happened to him because he didn't remember any of it. You don't remember the pastor coming to see mm. you? Just don't remember nothing. Nothing. And you were in the hospital a couple more days, and then mm-hmm. you went home. Yep. And fortunately, by the grace of God, that has never happened again. Mm-hmm. I think we've both learned to be more alert with the, the symptoms. I guess because we didn't know anything about it, um, we didn't really notice the symptoms the day before. So anytime you seem extra groggy, that is when I'm on high alert. Mm-hmm. So, but fortunately, it's just you being tired and not being, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yep. Heavy toxin yep. Yep. But that was that was really scary. Yep. 
So then we went on for a couple of years. And then I asked my doctor, I said, my nephrologist, can you try, can I try peritoneal dialysis again? He said, well, I don't see why not. Um, so he called the one place I used to go to and they turned me down. <laughs> they said, nope, not at all. We ain't taking them back. So my doctor got pulled. He called another center and they said, yeah, of course we'll take them. So they started me back up again, peritoneal, and it's been over a year and a half strong and I'm still doing peritoneal. Even though now I have to go in one day a week for hemo because peritoneal just isn't keeping up with my body because I have a bigger body. So, mm -hmm. but everything is going pretty good now. Yeah, and while you've been going through that, um, you've been put on the kidney transplant list. We've been hoping, praying, wishing that you get a, a kidney transplant. Mm -hmm. We've had some close calls. We've had uh, a couple people go through the testing. I know I went through the testing. Mm -hmm. And honestly, no joke, I legit thought that I would just go get tested and they would tell me, yeah, of course you're a match. And they would schedule the surgery like that. I had no idea how intense uh, the, I had no idea how intense going through the testing was. And I didn't realize just how many things have to uh, align in order to become a living donor. Mm -hmm. But do you want to talk about those two people who, you don't have to say their names, obviously, but the two people who went through the testing? Yeah, I had one lady who went through the testing when I was with U of M. <laughs> well, you're, we won't say the names. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll say, say the it names. if you want to. And, um, she was a match, but, um, it didn't really go no further than that because she was a, she was tiny and I'm large. She also so. had, um, some health issues herself yeah too if i remember correctly in her testing while she was a match they did find that she had some underlying health issues so that pretty much ruled her out yeah. and then just earlier this year back in april you were in the newspaper you were sharing your story about um it, you needing a kidney and tell me what Can came I say about the story that? so at that time i was working part-time at a library and you know, helping people with computers and putting up books and things like that. And apparently, I was helping this lady and I was so kind to her and so nice about helping her on the computers and everything. She saw my story in the newspaper and she felt compelled to get tested. One, two, three. Aww. <laughs> so, she was my blood type. So she went to the next stage and got more testing, tissue testing, and everything was a match. And first time around, they said, well, let's get ready to schedule the surgery. So we were all excited. But then they, um, she took a test and they said, oh, you have a hole in your heart. So she was like, what? I have a hole in my heart. And they said, yeah, usually you have it from birth and you never know about it. But if you, you have the hole in your heart, so you can't be a donor. So she went to get have a procedure to get that fixed. And the, the doctor surgeon looked at her and it's like, there's no hole in your heart at all. 
just said, matter of fact, your arteries and everything is great. So he signed off on her to actually get a transplant. But it took the transplant team some time to realize that. <laughs> so they finally told her to come back in, to do some more testing to see if we can get this thing going. So, and they said they did all the tests and they was going to have to meet to decide. And then if once they decide, yes, it schedule a date. And on that day, they called her and told her that they found cancer in her kidney. That's now, the cancer was so small that all she would need is a simple procedure to go in, get it taken out. She would need no radiation, no chemo, nothing else. That's it. That's a blessing. Yeah. So, in turn, while she was trying to save my life, in turn, I kind of saved hers. Because if she hadn't had those tests, they never would have found that cancer until it was so much bigger bigger that she would have to have the chemo and the radiation and the whole nine yards. So, yeah. She's such a lovely woman, too. Mm-hmm. She I mean, granted, just... she, can't, she can't donate a kidney now because she only got really one good one. But still, you know. I think I'm it's... so glad that God was able to do that on her behalf, you know. I agree. And I think the first time when the doctors told her about the hole in her heart, she could have come back and said, you know what, Greg? I tried. Sorry, it didn't work That's out. That's it, right. Because, I mean, she didn't she didn't really know us. She just, you met her at the library. Mm-hmm. You were an employee and she was a patron. But she kept on trying. Mm-hmm. That's, she's a really awesome lady. And I think God is going to bless her for that. Ah, I agree. Amen. Amen. So, how you doing now? Now, I'm doing okay, you know. I'm waiting for a donor, either the, the deceased donor or a living donor. Either one I'll take at this point. <laughs> How's your um, how's your mental? Because this well, has to be really taxing. There is a lot of anger that is associated with this. You know? So much so that I do go see a therapist. One day I was so angry at my wife, I had to leave or I might have done something. I was really angry. And it really wasn't over... It was over some ticky-tack stuff, you know? In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a... Don't I know it. I was just <laughs> like, why are you so mad? Calm <laughs> down. This is not a big deal. But now I went and bought a punching bag, so now when I get angry, I just take it out on it. I am glad to see that you've uh, made some changes to help your mental because you've always been very stoic. And you keep everything inside. There have been times I've looked at you, and I can tell, because I've been living with you for a minute, that everything is not okay. But if I say to you, hey, how's it going? You'll be like, I'm fine. It's all good. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Greg, you are going through a lot. You don't have to act like everything is fine. I think this because I've always been the rock. I've always been the one everybody else can depend on and everybody else turned to when when something was wrong. So it's kind of hard for me to accept the help. 
to be the one in need. To be the one who has to ask, Beck, can you go in the other room and grab me this for me? Because I'm sitting down and can't get up. No. Well, I'm glad that I'm here to do it for you. Mm-hmm. I Thank mean, you. there's no... I understand wanting to be self-sufficient. I think we all want to be self-sufficient, but we also need some help from time to time. Oh, well, we forgot about one thing now. Hmm. That's my back. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your back. So, apparently... This oh. sangria senior roll, it's like sparkling now, alcoholic sangria. It's so good. I know, I'm sorry, but I, I digest. D- digress. This is just real good. But tell yeah. us about your back. We are... Right now, it's in fall. Back in the spring, I was working out, hitting the gym real hard and everything, slimming down and everything. And here come, what was it, July, August, my back really started hurting, like really, really bad. You bring So much so that I went to a pain management doctor and um, he gave me physical therapy and gave me a shot in my back, right? That didn't help. So, I wound up going to the hospital. And <laughs> I won't get into that story yet. But, <laughs> that was a whole mess. Right. But had an MRI done, and they actually found two bulging discs in my back. So, now that they found the bulging discs, they know at physical therapy what exercises to give me and everything. So, going through that now. But my back always always hurts. Like I'm walking with a cane and everything. It's my a back nice hurts shiny me. purple cane. <laughs> purple oh, cane. Purple cane. <laughs> so yeah, so there's been In some... sickness and hell. Ooh, boy, I tell you. Yeah, but I'm glad that you're still here. Yep. You haven't lost your sense of humor. Nah, and uh... we still do have fun together. We try not to focus on just the sickness part. And there are days when you do feel really good, right? Yeah, once in a blue moon. Uh-huh. And those are the days we try to <laughs> knock out everything. Like today, she made me go outside and clean up the, 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 okay, the patio. Okay, that is not true because <laughs> I was not trying. This is a rare day where I don't have to do anything. I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have anywhere to be, nothing to do. And he's like, babe, we got to get these plants and stuff up because winter's coming. I'm like... Okay, back up. I have a patio garden. I had some everything I had. Tomatoes, cucumbers, watermelons, um, strawberries, blackberries. Greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Right. (laughs) I had some everything out there. So it came time to clean it all up. So So yeah, so we did that today. But now we're just boring you with our day-to-day stuff. Hmm. So that right there, folks, is just kind of our origin story. Kind of lets you know how we met and what we've been going through. And yeah, we got that early stuff out of the way. And we'll have more episodes where we talk about our everyday. Um, We'll talk about some of the pressing issues that couples go through when they're dealing with not just... Well, the pressing issues people deal with when you're dealing with a chronic illness within a marriage because mm-hmm. a marriage of two healthy people can be woo, it can be a lot but when you're dealing with marriage and also a chronic illness it can be a lot times too oh yeah so we're going to just discuss some of the ups and downs that we have and just how we make everything work 
Because mm-hmm. even though we have issues, I think we still got a pretty good union, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we are. Right. Uh-huh. You my boo. You my bud. Uh-huh. I mean, I love you in sickness and in health. And I know if the shoe were on the other foot that you would be here for me and take care of me, right? Nope. Why are you like this? <laughs> yeah, y'all of see what I, I have would. to deal with? Yeah, but um, I would say that the main thing that gets us through is the love that we have for one another. That is yep. at the core. And God. Yes, and God. The love we have for one another and God. So, folks, hopefully you made it through this episode. I hope you are still listening because now I'm just rambling. Um, hopefully that you... <laughs> hopefully... You like us enough to come back. Uh, there is no script. This is just us uh, off the cuff talking. <laughs> um, no and, scripts in front of us at all. Yeah, just us having a conversation and sharing our lives with you all. Uh, hopefully, as time goes on, we will have a, a mailbag so you guys can send us some questions and we'll try our best to answer them. We'll work on setting up an email account. But yeah, this is our first full official episode. Yay! Yay! Woohoo! So we hope you like it. Uh, we have fun and we'll catch you in a week. Peace and out. that's it for In Sickness and in Health. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. See ya.